0: Shotgun snap, quick throw, caught by Green! It It it. is a touchdown! Adriel, Jeremiah Green!
1: You don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati! Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that is... Well, we're trying to keep calm and carry on, but the world has been a very edgy, fearful place during the past few months, and since the 25th of May, it's got even darker. Now, we issued a statement yesterday about the murder of George Floyd and many others across the United States, and I think I just need to reiterate that now on the podcast. A podcast that, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't seem too much, might seem glib and even... Uh, Irrelevant to some as the events unfold, we want to reiterate on this podcast to the African-American community in the US, we see you, we hear you and we stand with you. Now, you may ask why a little Cincinnati Bengals podcast 5,000 miles away in the UK feels the need to comment on such matters. Um, The reason is because this is on all of us and racism, discrimination and brutalization also happens... And continues to happen in this country and all over Europe now we need to check ourselves check our heads and check our attitudes it's that simple so yeah there we go a, a serious start to the podcast um, it's going to become less serious when I bring my partner in crime in Nathan Palmer hello Nathan
2: how you doing my son very well said they're very um, I completely agree with all that and uh, very sensible sensible tone right there
1: yeah, I mean, as I said to you before we started recording, we can't not mention it because we do like to have a laugh on this podcast. We do like to entertain as much as, you know, we possibly can. And I think we've been doing a good job during the the COVID crisis. Goodness me, the COVID crisis seems like years ago in during the past week. But this is a really serious matter. And I know lots of our friends in the US are affected by this. And I say, it's you know, we're affected by this in this country uh, as well. So uh, And we also kind of make a big deal about uh, making sure people know that we are a welcoming, inclusive fan community where we encourage people of all colours and creeds and religions and genders and sexual orientation to come along and be a part of it. So we really, you know, if we're serious about that, then we we have to comment on these things.
2: Have you ever considered a career in politics? Some your eloquent speeches here, you know, it's very very uh, forward thinking and the sort of sort of um, the sort of man we need right now in these situations. <laughs>
1: uh, the short answer is no, I don't think no. Uh, yes. I just like to kind of make sure I'm living my best life. Basically, um, everyone's got flaws. Everything, everyone gets things wrong. No one's perfect, but um, you have to try and uh have at least some respect for people who are different to you i think that's always been my attitude in life
2: yeah i I think with the whole starts the podcast you we we you know it'd be difficult for us to come on air and just have a you know a bit of crack and a laugh at the moment i think that's a um very nice way to start things off um so yeah well done my son
1: thank you um but it's not about thanking me it's
2: just you know now, on behalf of the community, like like you yeah. said, it's very much. I think that was, you know, that those thoughts and words are very much echoed by all of us in the um, the Bengals UK fan base and group, and mm. I think that speaks um, for all of us with those words.
1: Absolutely. Right. Let's get down to business. We do have another podcast to bring you, obviously, because you're listening to it already. That was a stupid thing to say. Um, and we've got two fantastic guests coming up. Two fantastic guests, Nathan, haven't we?
2: Oh absolutely, yeah. It's a, have we ever had a, a four way before, son, two guests
1: on one? <laughs> uh, I don't think we have. Maybe we have. Maybe we're not. It was all it was all via the magic of Zoom. And um I guess You proper
2: surprised me with that as well. I tell you what, I thought it was just yeah. gonna be a cheeky little sort of, you know, voice call. All of a sudden, the cameras are raining down on me and I've got, um, (laughs) you know, one of NFL Network's greatest known um, presenters on the other end. Yes, that's
1: right. That's right. Because coming up for you in a little while is Scott Hansen, the magnificent Scott Hansen, the presenter of NFL Red Zone and and a few other things on NFL Network. And also his producer, Ryan Yunt, who I found out last year was uh, an avid Bengals fan. And uh, I actually met Scott last year when he came over to London and asked him if he would be on the podcast. Uh, It's only taken like a year to do it, but we've got there in the end. And it is a fantastic interview because I think uh, the NFL Network do a really, really good job, generally speaking. Uh, And for those who can't afford um, uh, the subscription to Game Pass, which, you know, not everyone can... NFL Red Zone is just a staggering achievement every week not not just in front of the camera what you get through it's you know Scott is very fond of saying it's 7 hours of commercial free football which it is and being on air for that long is a real marathon and um and Scott is going to give us an insight into how that all plays out and Ryan will give us an insight into how that plays out behind the camera and I think it's a really fascinating uh, interview, I think. A really great interview that goes on yeah. longer than I kind of expected it to. No, I know, 100%. I mean, I think that's always
2: an interesting insight because obviously a lot of people in the UK and around the US and everything watch NFL Network and watch all of these broadcasts and you rarely see what goes on behind the scenes or the intricacies of it and stuff like that. So it's certainly certainly a fascinating interview. Um and if you want to know how to hold your bladder in for you know seven to nine hours, then there's also some interesting tips for that in the Absolutely, interview.
1: Absolutely, that is very true. Um, but it, I mean, as I said last week, you know, when we did the themed celebration of the number 85, the jersey number 85 for our 85th episode, this off season, we're going to keep going through it because people still want us to keep going. Um it gives us the opportunity to go off on tangents a little bit and and talk to interesting people and talk about things that we don't normally get a chance to talk about during the regular season. And uh, broadcasting just plays such a big part of our NFL lives, doesn't it? You, I guess you, speaking to Scott, it, it kind of reminded me how valuable a good commentator is, a good presenter is, and also reminded me how far technology and the nfl network has come since you know the past 10 12 15 20 years you know and certainly <laughs> since i started supporting the bengals in 1986 these kind of things were just like science fiction you know what i mean i was i had to wait till tuesday to find out uh the results from the nfl because uh that's when the newspapers had the results in those kind of the little kind of sports pages classified at the back of the Daily Mirror that my dad got. Um, and now, obviously, everything is completely instant. You can watch along. We have our own watch parties, which is a new uh, development. Uh, things have changed a little bit. What were they like when you first started watching the game?
2: Um, for me, like when I first started watching the Bengals, they used to have I used to have Sky back then, so there was one game a week, I think, maybe two games a week. So I first, you know, started watching the Bengals Ravens was the first game I watched on Sky. Pretty good broadcast even back then. But as you sort of mentioned, it, you know, it wasn't quite wait until Tuesday for the result back then, but there wasn't really as many readily available streaming services. This is going back to sort of I think around the sort of two thousand four, two thousand five time. And I remember watching the Bengals growing up on there was like a thing on NFL.com, it was like NFL.com forward slash scores. And you would literally just watch arrows go back and forth. So it'd be like Rudy Johnson runs from sin right, twenty right, right. sin twenty seven and an arrow would just sort of shoot up and move forward. And it is crazy really thinking just how far it's come with NFL Game Pass and NFL Red, you know, NFL red zone and um, all of the various different media outlets you've got now, I mean, even the coverage on Sky, you know, love it or loathe it, it's it's an impressive um, offering across the board now that you're able to see um, the NFL so up close and personal. You're able to watch every single game if you can. I mean, you still forget in this country with sort of um, soccer and the Premier League and stuff like that, you know, most of those games, well over 50% of those games are not, On TV at all? You can't even Mm. pay to watch them. No, Um, so I do think with the NFL we are spoiled, and it leads the way very much in its coverage of the sport.
1: Yeah, and you know you often wish that the Premier League would get their act together and do something similar. You know, Um, can you imagine like an
2: NFL red zone for the Premier
1: League? Well, we kind of have something similar with Soccer Saturday on Sky, but the but the absolute absurdity of that—if Americans don't know—Soccer Saturday. Is a bit like red zone because uh, most of the Premier League games uh, take place on a Saturday afternoon. But there's some weird law where you can't show live games in England on a Saturday afternoon. The the uh, the closest that, the, the, sorry the um, the fastest that you can see games is a big traditional highlight show on Saturday night on one of the big terrestrial networks uh, on the BBC called Match of the Day, which is fine. But you don't get it's any live. It's extraordinarily archaic, isn't it? It really, really is. is. You don't get any live games on a Saturday, which, when you, again, when you compare it to the NFL, is just seems ridiculous to me. Um, no, so we, absolutely. So, so we've got this Soccer Saturday program where it is, it's similar to Red Zone. It happens from about midday till about six o'clock on a Saturday, and they show kind of bits of preview film, and there's four guys in a studio and a presenter, and when the game starts they kind of we watch them watching the games which again when you say it out loud is utterly ridiculous isn't it yeah
2: absolutely absolutely i think that is well, it's like you say when you say it out loud it really alarms you to sort of how poor that is in comparison to what the nfl offers because you think for the nfl you've got red zone just constantly cutting between the games you've got game pass if you can afford it you know there's just so many ways that you can watch your team and i just think if you're a you know if you were a sort of a west ham fan in the uk or a fan of a team in the lower leagues i mean there's no even if you had a season ticket and you went to every single home game the fact that in 2020 you cannot even pay legally to watch your teams of away at wigan on a wednesday night Mm -hmm. just seems slightly absurd and well behind the times for you know the nation's appetite for sport and that's why I give the US a lot of credit they are pioneers in entertainment they're pioneers in all of it their fantasy football is better than our fantasy football red zone is better than soccer Saturday their sports bars are miles better than anything we've got in the UK they they just do know how to do entertainment and produce entertainment to a very high standard
1: yeah I absolutely agree before we bring Scott and Ryan in have you got any favourite commentate NFL commentators uh are you a Chris Collinsworth man or a Tony Romo man? Um, I can tell you now my favourite commentator is Kevin Harlan, without a doubt.
2: Yeah, he is, he is absolutely fantastic. I think there's so many to choose from in the NFL. There's not many that I'm not a big fan of, to be honest. Um I used to really like um, oh Spiro DeDez. I thought he was good. Right. I thought he has sort of a very like active voice. Um, Gus Johnson was always a classic back in the day.
1: Yeah,
2: um, he was very very good. I think Tony Romo now is probably one of the gold standards. But you still Jim Nance is great. You know he he does a lot of different sports. Mm. He has golf as well, doesn't he? That's but he's,
1: right.
2: He's sort of good voice. I mean, I'm even quite I'm even quite happy with Troy Aikman. I think. Wow. alright. Okay. Um, the only guy I'm not a massive fan of is uh, Joe Buck. Okay. Not a huge Joe Buck fan, but apart I, from is Isn't think it funny,
1: a- isn't it? Because I think it's such a subjective thing, isn't it? Whether you like a commentator or not. It's a given that uh, they're all very well prepared for each game. They have to be. Um, but it's all down to the voice, I think, and the, the sharpness of comment and... For me, harlan has got the best sports voice out there and I think he's great on basketball as well. Um yeah.
2: they have do you know I think the US they have very good like chemistry between the announcers. Like they tend yeah, to try and yeah. sort of build that chemistry quite well. I think whereas in the UK you feel like sometimes these partnerships are sort of shelved together a bit and it's sort of you know, you've got the main sort of colour commentator and the other guy's just sort of paired with him, yeah. you know, with no real sort of well, when, you, no...
1: when you think about it, they are on the road together a lot yeah, of the yeah season, yeah. so you have you know no doubt that chemistry is built quite quickly um, but anyway any other NFL Network uh, presenters not named Colleen Wolfe that you're a fan of
2: <laughs> I do think Colleen Wolfe's incredible broadcaster there's, there's a reason I think she's gone yes. so far in her career and is now you know involved in a lot of things on NFL Network it's just extraordinary charisma and you know, really fun, engaging, outgoing personality, which I think translates to broadcast so well. Um who else is there on NFL Network? I don't I've, even I've... know.
1: It starts and finishes with Colleen Wolf for you, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> I really I'm really not a fan of Chris Westling. I really don't like Chris Wesley. I know okay. that him on this podcast and you spoke to him. I'm really not a big fan of his.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think, I think he is a bit of a Marmite character, isn't he? I don't mind him. I think he's he's an intelligent bright guy uh mind you i'm not keen on mark i'm not keen on mark sesler from around the nfl uh, mm. but, I like
2: Daniel jeremiah is very good
1: yeah bucky brooks is really really good
2: uh, yeah um who else is there on the old network there's a lot of good people on there you know they adams they're,
1: but i mean they're all really good slick smooth presenters i think you know i think the the real development was um was the Good Morning Football thing? I think that's really in, an interesting concept that works really, really well. I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They just—I think the U.S. is so good at just giving you characters. Like they've just got a lot of different characters. Like Michael Irvin's really good fun. On, mm. um, you know, Dion Sanders is really good fun. You've got um, Matt Money Smith, even a bit of a dry character that now and again appears. He's quite funny. Like there's, there's just a lot of different personalities that I think are sort of very engaging to watch. You don't have anyone that's just sort of That you feel like it's just a sort of an old pro that sort of is on there for his name only and has got absolutely no charisma. Do you know what I mean? You feel like they all deserve a spot as broadcasters within their own right, as well as the fact, obviously, that they had an esteemed career. Absolutely. Uh,
1: So the NFL Network do a fantastic job. ESPN have got some great presenters as well. And of course, we have Sky over here and our very own Mark Chapman and OC Manura and Jason Bell on the BBC when they. When they do their stuff. So we are spoilt. And of course, we have Dan Horde and Dave Lapham on the Bengals side of things, which again, you know, we're spoilt with those guys. They're they're absolutely fantastic. And of course, Marissa Contepelli. Oh, it's an embarrassment of riches, Nathan, isn't it really?
2: I know, absolutely. I mean, we are lucky, aren't we? There's some some very, very talented individuals out there on the NFL side. Absolutely. And then there's us. (laughs) Um...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was just about to say something,
2: and then there is us, you know.
1: Okay, joining us now is a face every NFL fan in the UK will recognise since 2009. Scott Hansen has been the presenter of NFL Red Zone, among other things, on NFL Network and uh, has delighted fans every week with his marathon stints behind the camera, bringing us the best action across the league every single Sunday during the season, ad-free as well. Uh, I'm delighted mm-hmm. to say that Scott joins us now, along with the show's producer, Ryan Yunt, who just happens to be a Bengals fan. Chaps, welcome to Cincinnati. Thank you.
0: Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Me. Let, let me, can I just say something real quick? Go ahead. So, I, you know, as the host of NFL Red Zone, I get asked to do a lot of interviews, radio shows, podcasts, television shows. I've done dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of these, Right. And, and, and now it, at the stay-at-home rules, quarantine rules with, with COVID-19, I've been asked to do even more. This is the first one I've ever done with the man you see on your screen right here, <laughs> our fearless producer of NFL Red Zone, Ryan Yunt. So I am particularly thrilled <laughs> to be talking to you guys today and to, to have my colleague on with me, who not only is one of the biggest brains behind NFL Red Zone, but he is, I'm going to go out and say it, he is one of the authorities in the United States on your beloved Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> this man lives and dies Bengals football. So we're going to have a fun conversation here, I'm sure.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, we can't wait. It feels a bit weird talking Bengals with Scott in the room. No offense, Scott. You know, <laughs> uh, um, but we'll make them feel a part of the family. I'm sure. Exactly. Uh, but let's get to Red Zone first. Um, Scott, when you began presenting Red Zone, you know, kind of what over a decade ago, did you think it would have the same kind of impact that it has today?
0: Believe it or not, yes. And, and it's easy to say that now because you know, almost everybody watches it and almost everybody that watches it loves it. So it's easy to say, oh yeah, you knew it was going to be a smash. But when we first started it, we rehearsed several times because this was an all new for all of us. I, I mean, I'm a television lifer and all the people that work on the show have worked in television, but no one's ever done a program like this. Okay. Yeah. When we were practicing it, in the summer leading up to 2009, I looked and I was like, if, if we do this right, if we do it the right way, it's going to change the way people watch football forever. And I, I legitimately believe that now I'm a positive guy to begin with, but, um, I, I thought if, if we do this, I would watch the show if I was an audience member, cause I'm a football junkie, just like all of us are. And, and there's no better way than, than NFL Red Zone to get a straight IV injection of football awesomeness than, than seven hours of commercial free football every Sunday. So, and, and, I'll, and I'll prove that, that, I'm not trying to say, how oh, I knew, but our first episode, and this is on my social media somewhere, I'm sure, our very first episode, the very first time I ever came on camera in the first episode, I said, welcome to NFL Red Zone, the channel that we hope and we think will change the way you watch football forever. Wow. It may have seemed like bombast at the time. It may have seemed like hyperbole, but there's not a week that goes by in football season where I don't hear from dozens of people who say red zones changed the way I watch football.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And how do, how do you think, I mean, it sounds like a daft question, but how do you think it has changed the way people have watched football? Well,
0: it, it, I mean, it, A lot of people watch football for the excitement, whether that comes from them playing in fantasy football, or whether that comes from growing up a Bengals fan, or whether that comes from gambling on the games, people want the excitement of football. And just think of what NFL Red Zone is. It trims the fat off of every football game. No commercials, no standing around looking at guys in the huddle, no, uh, you know, lingering on, you know, a timeout or, you know, the coaches discussing what they're going to do in the next play. No, once you see the replay of, of a replay review and we show you the key angle of it, we're on to another game. We'll say, Hey, we'll get you back to that. And, and we'll let you know what the outcome of that touchdown or no touchdown replay is. So it just, it's it just, it's all the best parts. So yeah. it's like saying, okay, well, why do you think, you know, cake is good? Well, if you just had big bowl of piecing, <laughs> I think I think people would say, "Yeah, you know what? That's that's my favorite part right there." So I think that's one of the that's one of the key things as to why it's why it's been so awesome.
1: Has it changed over the years? As I say we're we're over a decade into this now. Um, has it changed at all during that time? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, I think we and and Ryan can speak to this too. I think we are like a team. In fact, when we have our our staff meetings, we talk in analogies like, like a team. And, and a good team is, even if you're at the top and people say, oh, yeah, you're doing the best you your championship level, a good team is always looking for that edge, always trying to raise the game. So we, we constantly, Ryan, we constantly talk about, hey, how can we get the graphics better? What if we mix the this way? What if we, uh, uh, and he can speak to the technological side of it more than I can, what if we do this a little bit better? And all, it's all in an effort to serve the fans, to serve our audience. And and hopefully our television expertise matches well with our football fandom and say, well, if I was sitting home on my couch, this is the way I'd like to see it. Or, you know, it would be really awesome if we could do this. So, I don't know, Ryan, can you can you talk on that a little bit?
3: Sure. I mean, um, I'm not a day one uh one person from from red zone i missed the very first season but um i would walk by where they were doing the show after i would cut my highlight for my game on a sunday and see through sort of peek in through the glass what they were doing and i you could feel um the electricity because the people that are working on the show are reacting like fans in a stadium would so Mm -hmm. um I, I I wanted to be a part of that, and so I got onto the crew the next year. And so I've been here to watch it develop. The biggest thing, um, you always want to come up with new ways to present things, but the you, you don't want to change. I mean, the it is the it is the way it is because of of football. It, you're you're chasing the biggest plays. We're chasing all the action. You you don't want to you don't want to outthink yourself. So, um, but you do want to sort of every, every summer, we kind of put our heads together and it's, how do we, how do we, you know, how do we get better? How do we, um, what can we do differently? Whether, how do we get more games on the screen at one time? Um, You know, we've done something in the past where um, it was during, it was during the winter season. So there was a snow game that really didn't have two teams you cared much about, but that game was, yeah. it was in the snow, and everyone loves the elements. So on the fly, we created a box to keep that game in the yeah. corner of the screen so that people could always have an eye on it. And when we thought that it was getting a little too exciting and it deserved to be the featured game, we'd bring it back up full. Um, so...
0: Yeah, I would I would add something to that. I would add this, sure. Ryan. It, what, what Ryan's saying, I think, is... It's not so much reinventing. The system is the system. Hey, it's watching football. Right. It's seeing the big plays. It's watching touchdowns. But what, I'll mix another sports metaphor into it. We're not trying to reinvent our golf swing, but we're trying to shave one stroke here or there every time we go out. It's not, not something totally different, but the edge is in that little margin. And mm. if we can shave one stroke off the front nine, one stroke off the back nine, <clears throat> The audience might not say, Oh, Red Zone's doing this totally differently. Right. But we'll know the difference and the viewer will have a better viewing experience because of
1: it. It's the one percenters, isn't it? It's the one percent stuff yeah. that you're talking about. And what was interesting there that came over, you, Ryan said it's like the whole team celebrates touchdowns and like a bunch of fans in the stadium there. What kind of atmosphere is it like on a Sunday in that studio? Because it must be quite electric it must be quite intense and focused but also you never quite know what's going to happen right
0: okay now this is where Ryan and I will differ because so Ryan is in the control room and he's in my ear in my earpiece yeah. the the studio is mostly quiet because my microphone could go hot could go live at any given moment and so we'll celebrate in there but the control room i got to think is is crazier but yunty can speak to that
3: sure um what we've done is and we all just want to have fun covering the game obviously and and the show itself is is exciting but we've got a red zone fantasy league so that people in the control room are playing against each other and they are celebrating each other and they are yelling at each other that their team just took the lead so it's the game within the game for us that kind of keeps us, um, <laughs> excited. And, and, um, and I can, <laughs> Scott probably heard this through the mic and it was probably the least professional thing I've ever done on NFL red zone. But, um, I cheered a game winning touchdown in the control room so loud that, um, <laughs> I'm, I, they still, they still talk, they still talk about it. It was a, um, it was a Bengals win at home against the Packers where they returned a to fumble late for yeah, yeah, defensive yeah, yeah. score to beat them. Um, and yeah, I got... A, I, I, th- I think they said I screamed.
1: but
2: <laughs> I remember that game um, well.
1: I'll defer to them, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Scott, when you came over last year, it was brilliant because you engaged with the fans as you love to do and you're very good at. Uh, but you gave us... The, the, the people that were gathered in the pub, you gave us a real insight into your routine your preparation routine both leading up to the sunday and during the sunday in terms of you know as as you mentioned it's seven hours it is a marathon stint in front of the camera no real chance for any bathroom breaks or anything like that uh i i I think everybody would love to know how you prepare for it because there's a lot of information that you have to store up there don't you as well yeah um yeah so could you give us an insight and maybe Ryan chip in with, with the kind of behind the camera preparation as well? But Scott, if you could give us an insight into how you prepare for each Sunday marathon.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I want to speak with, when I'm talking to the audience, I want to speak with passion and with knowledge. And both of those coincide with how well prepared I am when the first game kicks off on Sunday. because. I can let my passion fly when I know, hey, I'm prepared to talk about, we got 13 games this Sunday that, we've, that we're dealing with, right? Let's mm-hmm. say you know nine games in the early window, four games in the late window. So I got 13 games. And I, I don't know how the educational system works over there in the UK, but here in the States, when I was in college, uh, we'd often have a final exam where the professor would, you'd go in on Monday, And the professor said, "Okay, the final exam is on Friday. So you got all week to study. And it's going to be an essay exam, written essay exam. And it's going to examine everything that you learned this semester. So the professor would often go, here's a list. We studied a lot this semester. So here's a list of 10 essay questions. Three of them will be on the exam. (laughs) Which three do you study? If you're a diligent student. You study all ten, and then when you show up on Friday for the exam, those three are present. Okay, I remember this. Blah, 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 blah. So if I got thirteen games on on an NFL red zone Sunday, I don't know which two, three, four, five are going to have a fantastic finish, a, a, a controversial call, an amazing highlight, a whatever it is. But you you're guaranteed every Sunday to have two, three, four, five of those things. Mm. And so, if I've studied all 13, then I feel prepared for whichever ones end up being the one that's the highlight or the one that's the jaw-dropping moment. And and for that, I am I'm on websites all throughout the week. Uh, We have an amazing research team at NFL Media that sends us out a I don't know like a 200-page media or uh, research packet uh, on Tuesday, so it'll recap everything that happened on the Sunday before. And then it looks forward to the Sunday ahead with stats, facts, figures, milestones, uh, storylines, and everything else like that. So I'm plowing through that all week. I go to the websites. I study the injury reports, everything like that. And then there's still things that I miss. So, and and Ryan can pick it up here. We meet, we, we meet together. Uh, what is it? Two hours before the show. And uh, we will, We will get together and go over everything. I go over all my notes, and then other people will say, you know what, I heard about this. I heard this wide receiver's got this, or I heard this, that, or the other thing. And our entire staff is as knowledgeable about the games that are going to be happening as any room in the business, I would venture to say.
3: Yeah, plus when you have um, people that are working on NFL shows daily throughout the week, they are hearing every important soundbite. So if we need to call back, hey, on Tuesday, um, this player uh, had something to say about who he's going up against this week. So we may want to bring that up again in the meeting. And if they're jawing at each other, we, Scott can call back to comments made earlier in the week. We want to just really kind of have every storyline uh, covered and 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 at every milestone that could be achieved research so that we're prepared for it and we're not just reacting, yeah. but we've produced that moment.
0: And uh, I will say this, too. Um, Yunti, I call him Yunti, so you guys know. But Ryan Yunt is his name. So Yunti will get in my ear a lot of times, and he'll say – he'll get in my ear live on the show, and, and uh, this happens all the time, at least once every other week. Hey, you know what? They're saying, like Twitter, because we've got somebody who's monitoring Twitter, too. And we only go to legitimate sources or sources that we think are legitimate, not just some random fan tweeting something out. But Twitter saying that the stadium had – there was a, you know, a malfunction of something in the stadium or whatever, like some random thing that that is not obvious when you're just watching the game in the box itself. And then we try and develop that storyline right then and there. So, like, like, I don't know, can you remember any of those, Young, where it was – where you got in my ear, you're like, hey, Twitter's saying that – this, that, or the other thing is happening. We chased it down and it ended up being real. And it was something that our audience wanted to know.
3: Yeah. I mean, we've caught things from like <clears throat> fan signs that have said something funny or, um, you know, uh, even, even, even a milestone that we missed, but nothing like, there's not like a definitive moment that kind of sticks no, out were, to me. And usually it's not that, a sure.
0: or anything. Yeah. That happens on the yeah. story. But, uh, uh, yeah i just think of like yeah just various things we prepare for everything and yet it's still ad-libbed it is still you know young's not following a script i'm not following a script we are an orchestra playing jazz music at that point
1: what about the day itself the morning before the broadcast because i remember you telling us at the admiralty in london that you had a special diet you kind of Did things that so you didn't go to the bathroom so much and it was really fascinating because it seems when you watch it so seamless so energetic but as you say it's the study it's the preparation it's the diet it's everything it's 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 a crazy thing
0: yeah i mean uh look at hosting a seven hour show with no commercials has certain biological requirements (laughs) if i'm not going to leave my post. And of course, famously, I, I do not go to the bathroom. I've mm-hmm. taken one bathroom break in the last seven years or something like that. And uh, uh, so I, I, I have a routine Sunday morning. So we work on Pacific time. Uh, Ryan and I are talking to you from Los Angeles, where our studios are located. And the games kick off at 10am Los Angeles time. So I wake up around 5 a.m. on Sunday morning. Uh, you grab my shower, go into go into work. I like to be the first one in the studio, and usually I'm the first one first one in there. Get my notes all set in on my desk, and and um, and then yeah, I have my breakfast, which is my last nourishment or liquids for the entire day. And that I usually get my breakfast around 6:15, something no six six thirty or so. I mean we have a time to the minute. Um, six 30, let's call it. And that's, uh, three and a half hours before showtime. And we have a cafeteria at the network and the chef at the cafeteria, uh, makes me the same dense protein, salty breakfast. So I can retain water and <laughs> I, I scarf that turkey burger, no bun, a turkey burger, patty, uh, salty, crispy bacon. I usually get like a, like a muffin, like a blueberry muffin and uh egg whites scrambled egg whites and then this is a bizarre one on the side a side dish of calamata olives i love salty (laughs) calamata olives and then i'll have one bottle of water and maybe like a diet coke or diet pepsi and i don't drink coffee believe it or not all this hype all this energy doesn't i just not not really non mostly non-caffeinated uh and then i'm done three and a half hours before i shut it down I go to the bathroom usually three times in those three and a half hours, including twice in the last hour before the show, including two minutes before the show. When you guys are watching the countdown clock, they, they play the countdown clock in the UK? Do they? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think um, like five sure. minutes. the film's music's behind it playing yeah. and... Yeah,
2: no, I don't think we get that in the UK. No, oh, really? okay. Oh, <laughs> you
0: guys are yunty. We got to get them the countdown clock. People in the United States. So because NFL Red Zone is its standalone channel, that's why you don't get it. Because there's other broadcasting on Sky Sports or... or Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. we, yeah, we yeah, get yeah. It on Sky yeah, Sports yeah. Mix.
1: Sky, Sky Sports okay. 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 And we in the United States...
0: Well, here, you, your audience is going to learn this right now. In the United States, NFL Red Zone is a standalone channel. So NFL Network is mm-hmm. on channel... Two twelve right. NFL red zone will be on two thirteen, so there's it's just there's nothing on before we come on, so we put on a countdown clock and it starts at what five minutes ten minutes five minutes five, five minutes, minutes. Yep. and it's just it's just a countdown clock on there and it says NFL red zone will begin in five minutes four ninety nine four fifty people sit there and they watch it and they get so i've been told all the time my kids will sit there and watch it with me And my buddies will sit there and watch it and we play the old classic nfl films music you know like those 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 songs that just they just mean football to you and the countdown clock goes to three, two, one, bam and then the the lasers begin for the beginning of the dun, open going live right now He's got it memorized. So anyway, yeah, so I go to the bathroom during the countdown clock and I'm back in and then it's, it's uh lock into the games and the will, willpower of a ninja to not have to go to the bathroom for seven hours. <laughs> um,
1: Nathan will come in in a second to ask you some Bengals questions. Um, but you, working together so long, you must have a really nice sort of shorthand together uh, and a kind of a different sort of language of communication and nod here a kind of a raised eyebrow there I would imagine is that would that be true Ryan um well I,
3: every, every cue would be a verbal cue for us but i think having done this so long and just sort of knowing the game the way we do we 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 already sort of think like each other so um he'll say hey i don't know if you're thinking this and i'll and i'll have already been setting it up in the control room um, cuz there's there's many steps to just to, for behind the scenes for us to see one step on air. So I'll have already been coordinating those things. He'll get in my ear. Hey, hey what do you think um, we need to do this? I said, okay. We're already lining it up. Prepare to do this. Um, I mean, just to give you an yeah. example without being too, um, TV, uh, techie,
0: um, Oh, give them the TV so tech. They love that. It's like hearing here hearing the <laughs> quarterback call a play in the, in the huddle. So, we definitely
3: have vocabulary that everyone in the control room and Scott all know whether it's, um, an update, which is we're just going to show a play in between a play and then we're coming back. Um, we're going to do a Vosad vo, which means we're going to put, we're going to do a replay, but we're going to give him enough room for him to voice and set it up. And then when the play starts and the announcer picks, picks up, we'll let the announcer call the play and it's usually a really dramatic touchdown, dramatic, uh, play moment in the game. And then we leave enough on the back end for Scott to wrap everything up and put it in perspective. Um, sometimes we do things called fake live where something just happened, but we had to be somewhere else and we want to show it to you like it's live. So fake live is a, and we know exactly how far to back up the machine. So that when we go to it, hey, let's go to Tampa Bay and see what just happened with the Bucks offense. And Jameis threw his third pick six of the game. So there's there's just different um, different things. So I have to coordinate with the guys back, and we call them we call it Elvis or EVS is the machine they work on that is basically just a replay machine that they can scroll backwards on any of the games that are being taken in, so they can cue those up to the right moments that we need. So I'll have coordinated with them. I'll have coordinated with the director. After this play, we are going to do an update. I'll have coordinated with graphics. This is the scoreboard we're going to need. And on the back end, they reached a milestone, so why don't you have the full screen ready that says that Drew Brees is now number two all-time in career touchdown passes. So, -hmm. I'll get in Scott's here. All right, Scott, we've got a third and whatever. uh, Third and seven here for the Dolphins. After this play, I'm going to show you Drew Brees' touchdown we're going to go to the graphic and then we'll come back because the dolphins are in the red zone and we will let all those wheels go in motion. And
0: uh, I, I, I just had a flashback. I'm, I'm When he just said that right there, it felt like uh, I haven't heard his voice in my ear and, I don't <laughs> six months. And like
1: <laughs> so <you're> he's <laughs> don't um, shout like, Omaha, 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 in his ear. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you guys watched in the control room, if you sat behind Ryan Young in his captain's chair there, and you heard him and you heard J.D. Hanson, our director, and, and the other folks talking, it would be like football to you, meaning you could see, oh, okay, I understand that there's three wide receivers out to the left and that they're gonna go run this and stuff. But if Tom Brady's calling uh, trips left, razor, pistol, uh, you know, pistol 23, spider two, Y banana? You wouldn't make head or tails of that. Mm. And so our language in TV would probably sound like that to you, and yet you would watch it and you would understand, oh, okay, I see what just got executed. Sure,
1: sure. right. Right, We've got about eight minutes left, I think. Nathan's chomping at the bit to ask some Bengals questions. And Ryan <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, well. Ryan has put us to shame. He's dressed in all his Bengals finery there. He's got this amazing sneaker collection behind. I've got a wardrobe Dude, behind. I don't know
0: me. what Young makes, but his salary at NFL Network <laughs> would be pretty solid to have a Kicks collection like
2: that. <laughs> Right guys, we're going to kick this off talking about the Bengals. And where else can we start but talk about the new uh, face of the franchise, Joe Burrow? Um, I'll start with you, Ryan. Tell me what you think about him as a player and how you think he'll translate from LSU to Cincinnati.
3: Um. Well, I don't know that I've been ex- this excited about a, a draft pick since 2003. Um as Scott can attest to this because we've had text messages back and forth. We knew all along, once, once the season started to go downhill, we knew that this was the end of the Dalton era and the, despite what everyone was saying about Chase Young being a generational player and the best player in the draft. And those are still things that, um, I really won't dispute. Um, but the Bengals had to draft the quarterback and, um, so it was sort of the, the Tua versus Burrow watch uh, leading up to that. And I think that Alabama LSU game um, really was, for myself, proved that Joe Burrow needed to be the guy that they went with. This, you know, even if Tua was hobbled a little bit, I, I still think that um, for their offense and what they want to run, I think Burrow is a better match. And – it's hard to argue with one of the greatest college seasons of all time um he He's more athletic than I think people think he's definitely um as accurate as as it gets and i I don't think his whatever knock you want to give him on arm strength, I don't think it's enough on tape to um to make me think he's less of a player
0: yeah, Kurt Warner just said that kurt that that Burrow reminds Kurt Warner. Of Kurt Warner, so yeah, 11, I'll take that. Yeah, Yunti and I would text back and forth. So if I remember the the chronology of it, you guys, you the Bengals clinched the number one pick in Week 16, I believe. It was already clinched mm-hmm. going into the season finale. But Week 16, there was a circumstance of a, a, a circumstance where the Bengals were leading in their game, or someone else was losing, and it was going to put the number one pick in play. Yunti's in my ear, and I can hear his voice and get it. For Lord. do you know what this game was? This is the Dolphins game. Yeah, where the with Dolphins that
3: crazy comeback. were gonna put them away, and they had this crazy comeback. And, and I'm thinking, what
0: are they doing?
2: <laughs>
0: Andy Dalton trying to save his job, right there. I'm not joking. He he was getting in my ear, and I could hear. And he's a professional. He does not let you know external circumstances impact his his job. But I could hear his voice changing. Like he he could yeah. not believe. And for the average fan, that game was sensational because it was bananas at the end. It was nuts. Uh, Two-point conversions and onside kicks and everything else that had happened. But so anyway, so you guys clinched it. He calmed down after week 16. And then, (laughs) and I, our entire text thread became watching LSU games and seeing Burrow four touchdowns in the first half. And I would just text him, dude, like that. And he would just send me back like, dude like that because I mean I'm not a Bengals fan but I love good football and I'm excited for a franchise that's been beaten down in recent years to have a guy who could be a transcendent talent and I love seeing I love seeing great quarterback play and Burrow was otherworldly so I'm fired up for you guys
2: yeah and I think I think yeah we're all excited to get Joe Burrow in and I think it sort of builds on last season you know the transition from Marvin Lewis to Zach Taylor um, right. Ryan, I'm interested to sort of get your thoughts on Zach Taylor. I mean, we've had him on the podcast, and we've been fortunate enough to beat him. Really nice guy, super positive, really sort of good motivational speaker. The jury obviously still out massively on what he brings sure. to the table. What, what have you seen from him in his first year in
3: Cincinnati? Well, I think the first thing, and obviously a coach that goes 2-14 and 14, uh, in their first season – there are obviously going to be some, some questions and some doubts. Um, but I think if you're going to give a guy a fair shake in his evaluation and you look at a guy who had his best player um, all of two plays in the first training camp practice and never got AJ green back on the field uh, the rest of the season. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of tough. a uh, first time defensive coordinator, him learning how to call plays I don't think we've really, the the sample size is so small and there's so many other things, whether it was injuries uh, or not, um, to sort of give a definitive evaluation. Um, I think that the players would still run through a brick wall for, for him. And um, he's definitely very smart and, and has sort of a um, – I don't know, like a a swagger different than Marvin Lewis, where I think Marvin came off as this real authoritarian um, coach and that's what they needed at the time. Um, But he kind of seems more relatable to the players. And uh, I'm excited. I'm still very excited to see how his offense grows when he has everything at his disposal. And now he's going to have – uh, a young quarterback with a lot of talent to
0: groom. I got a question for all three of you guys, because I'm the only, you know, non-Bengals fan. Again, I'm not a Bengals hater. It's just I don't have a favorite NFL team. What is the minimum with which you will be satisfied in 2020? Assuming a 16-game regular season is played, what is the minimum, if you want to put it in a record, that might help me and other fans understand, that you'll say, you know what, we're on the right track?
1: I think it goes both ways actually. I think it's both record. We obviously want to win. We're not kidding ourselves that we're going to get to the playoffs. At least most Bengals fans are Uh, kidding ourselves. We're going to walk straight into the players. We just want to see improvement and progression and a good transition to the NFL, I think, to set us up maybe for the next year.
2: Yeah, I agree. I would say seven wins. I think Zach Taylor needs to get that. I think that would sort of show some clear progress on the season before. Seven wins for a rookie quarterback, you know, is not a bad total. So you look at Kyler Murray last year and, you know, he looked very, very good. But the Cardinals still didn't, you know, get as many wins as, you know, they perhaps would have liked. So I think seven wins as a sort of minimum, I'd be, I'd be fairly happy with that.
1: Guys, thank you so much for the time. I know you get asked lots to do. You do such a fantastic job. Do not underestimate how important the job that you do for fans over here. So thank you. And there you and go. thank you Scott for joining Hansen us now. And Ryan. Yeah, thanks, Yunt. guys. Thanks you so can much.
0: Look forward to seeing you again next time I'm in the UK. All right. Hansen. Cheers, guys. Yeah, no problem. Ryan Take care, everybody. All right. Ryan thanks, guys. Ryan, thanks. Ryan
1: underscore Sova, S-O-V-A-H underscore Yunt. Uh, it was really fantastic to have those guys on. I thought and they just, they you know, we could quite easily have chatted to them. I know I say it a lot. Could quite easy We didn't really get into the Bengals I had to because of the forty-minute limit on um, on Zoom because I'm not a premium subscriber. Um, we could have kept going on that one. Really, I had to cut them off.
2: I know, I know. I mean, it was a really fascinating insight into the work they do, and obviously, you know, an interesting take in the limited time we had with them about what they think about the Bengals and the upcoming season. So, a real pleasure to have them on. I think, obviously, you know, on a Zoom chat, you get a bit more. Um, a bit more out of that and you can see him and chat to him and talk about stuff so it's very very interesting to be a part of that it almost felt like a bit of a studio audience type thing
1: yeah Uh, absolutely Yeah, and Scott is a really interesting follow on Instagram as well because he and it must be doubly difficult on Scott because he likes to go and travel the world during the off season he's he's known for his legendary trips to Africa and all sorts of places Um, so you know being locked down and broadcasting from home and all that kind of stuff must be of difficult it's difficult for us all let's face it but uh for different reasons um so a huge thank you to um to scott hansen and to ryan uh ryan Yunt, the producer of nfl red zone and it wasn't it great to see ryan he was in our zoom conversation uh he was dressed in all this fantastic bengal's paraphernalia and had this wall of of sneakers behind him what a fantastic collection Uh, I had a wardrobe behind uh, my face and you had your bedroom so I think uh, again they kind of outshined us when it came to zoom backgrounds as well.
2: Well it's quite handsome behind the image, that uh, that, like mad US style kitchen which always looks a bit like a warehouse in its own right, like a massive industrial fridge and really (laughs) that lovely like marble um, kitchen top. So you know, rather envious of that kitchen in Scott house. No, you us. got
1: your own Scott's kitchen, eh? <laughs> um, anyway, so um, we're going to carry on. We've got some questions. We always ask you guys for questions um, at whoday underscore UK on Twitter and bengals UK on Facebook. We've got a few things in the pipeline, uh, which should be fun bringing them through in the next couple of weeks or so. But in the meantime, we do have some questions. Uh, Andrew Townsend, uh, Andrew Townsend. Two, would you prefer to continue in the AFC North with its aggressive competitiveness or change division into an easier division for more success?
2: Good question. I mean, for me, I would 100% stay in the AFC North. I love those games against Pittsburgh. Um, there's nothing like a rivalry like that. You know, I think as much as you want to win, you want to beat the best. And I think Pittsburgh and Baltimore have been good teams um, for a long time. And I think if we can get one up on them, it makes you feel better about the whole thing. There's two good rivalries there. And even with the interstate rival with Cleveland, it might not be as hot as the other two potentially. But um, no, I, I do like the AFC North, to be honest. I, it'd be a shame if we were um, chopped up into another division. I agree.
1: Um, or, and um, it's all cyclical as well. You know, if you go into one division, so, I mean, what is the weakest in the AFC? Say the South, maybe? You've Probably always got a chance south, in. Yeah. You've always got a chance in the south, I think. But um, well, I mean,
2: arguably it could be the east. I mean, you think yeah, yeah. about Tom Brady, uh, the Dolphins, Jets, and um, Bills uh, between them have never been sort of lights no. out in the last ten years. So oh, I think, yeah. I, think the, I
1: think the Bills might be uh, anyway. That's for another podcast. Uh, Ross at Burrow to AJ favorite Bengals jersey of all time, or one you remember a particular player wearing two of mine are here i do any for anything for that Ocho Cinco white jersey and it looks as though he's got uh he sent pictures over of uh chad johnson tiptoeing down the sideline uh and Corey dillon and they've got the kind of the full length bengal cat on on the sleeve of the jerseys i'm gonna go classic 80s because it's my era the single kind of orange stripes on on the side no mucking about no frills or spills that's the jersey and the uniform that I I fell in love with and that's what I'm sticking with
2: yeah do you know what the one you're talking about is a really smart bit of kit that is um I do like that one I'm I've never been the biggest fan of the Bengals jerseys in the last 10-15 years I think they're always just a bit sort of like not bad nothing special Mm -hmm. but for me, I do think the colour rush white jerseys. are Oh really yeah, beautiful.
1: yeah, I love that jersey. They,
2: they are really slick and they look really, really nice. And I think if we were to pair those with the white helmet, I think it would just absolutely finish the look. You
1: see, you see, I think I think the orange helmet just really sets it off. Um, but I can understand, I can understand why that. Yeah, um, I think
2: that's going to be my next purchase. I think for I, a I am a borough so- jersey, a borough colour rush. <laughs> Probably is going to be Joe Boy as oh. the name on the back, but I'm just trying to think. Is there anyone else that be maybe Higgins? Maybe yeah, like
1: maybe Higgins? Maybe uh, don't know. Mixon, I can't see. It's you. Shane
2: Perfect, didn't, because he was the perfect geezer to have on your on your <laughs> oh, jersey. Yeah, right. you know what I mean, I can't
1: but... I can't see you wearing a Mixon jersey anytime soon. But anyway, <laughs> TJ Hoochmanzada's shiny shoes at TJ shiny shoes. He's back. Uh, any plans to brew some more Tiger Stripe? Cool, I my one of them right now. Yeah, I know, right? We've got a question. Um, it's a hot day. It's been a hot three, four, five days in London. Like, you know, 28 degrees or so, and uh, which is what? That's in the 80s, isn't it? In, Probably sneaking in the 80s, yeah. um, Which is hot for London. And, uh, yeah, nice, cool... Tiger Stripe would go down an absolute treat, I think, wouldn't
2: it? No, they, they were nice, those beers. And I'm not going to lie. They were tasty little drop, weren't they, my son? They were.
1: But no, we have no more plans to As <laughs> to saying all that, there oh, are no plans some to brew some... any Tiger Stripe this year. Who knows next year? Who knows? I
2: reckon I reckon there might be... I'm going to start a rumour that we're, we're in we're in talks with the brewery about brewing a massive batch of Tiger okay, Stripe. OK, all right. 1,000 can minimum all
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're always about the side hustles you are aren't you you totally hey, we, are
2: we should we should strike a massive brewing deal there's enough uh geezers that <laughs> and women our geezers and women that follow the bengals that would absolutely love a few cases of tiger stripes i'm telling you we get some nice new packaging on it mark it up three four quid a can make a huge profit my son
1: this is we should be recording this really we should be <laughs> keeping this close to our chest anyway andrew dockerall at dockers 77 If you had to take one player from each of the three other AFC North teams, who would you take? And I think Duncan, our old friend Duncan Donuts, dastardly Duncan, asked this last question. So, uh, last year, sorry. Um, And it's it's an evergreen question. It deserves to be asked every year before the roster takes shape. I think there are going to be a few more roster moves before now and the 53 get nailed down. Uh, we've had several... Andrew's had several replies to that. So Peter Dantwell at Dadders has says... Uh, Marlon Humphrey, uh, David DeCastro, Bacon Mayfield, the Browns play to carry the clipboard better than Finlay, carry the drinks, etc. Uh, Jamie is going for Justin Tucker, Mars Garrett and David DeCastro. Um, Shawnee is taking, uh, again, Marlon Humphrey... Devin Bush and Miles Garrett. I'm going to go for DeCastro as well because I think uh we still have a slight weakness. Well, a weakness at guard. I think he's uh, obviously pro bowl caliber and he would go down a treat. And I am also going to go with Miles Garrett. I think he'd be an absolute, you know, he'd be an upgrade straight away, an upgrade to what we've got and and make that defensive line pretty Terrifying, I'm gonna go with the Ravens tight end Mark Andrews, even though we seem to not really want a proper receiving tight end, and we play a lot in eleven personnel you know um but I think Mark Andrews would immediately just finish that offense off, I think along with Decastro that would be pretty good, I think what about you, Nathan? So I'm going
2: to go on the Lions, son. So I'm going to go Ronnie Stanley from the Ravens. Mm. I think he's one of the best uh, tackles in the league and be a massive upgrade over what we've got at the moment. Um, then from the Browns, I'm going to go Miles Garrett as well. I think, he, you know, add again a massive piece on the defensive line. So we've got two linemen there. And then from the Steelers, I think I'm going to take Ben Roethlisberger and swap him with Joe Burrow.
1: <laughs> Are you really...
2: No, I think I'm going to go back to the lines. I'm I'm going Castro. I think if you had um, those two lining up on the line that I've just added to the team, um, I think that offensive line would be an absolute juggernaut then. It's gone from probably being our biggest weakness to being our biggest strength with those two being added.
1: Oh, Uh, it's a fun game, but it's ultimately a a torturous game, isn't it, really? Uh, mm -hmm. Thomas at Thomas93558299. He's a bot, surely. Well, um, which Bengals offensive and defensive players take the biggest step up this year? Sorry about my handle. (laughs) (laughs) Right, homework, Thomas. Get yourself a profile pic and get yourself a proper handle so uh, Nathan can comment on it. But uh, a, a very plausible and fair question to ask, I think. Which of those offensive and defensive players do you think will take the next step next season?
2: I'm I'm saying Jesse Bates on defense and John Ross on offense. Hello. I think John Ross is going to have a massive year and it's going to really piss everyone off because then they're we're going to have finally got some use out of him and you know everyone'll be really excited about him and then you know Joe Burrow will have this fantastic weapon and then we'll be in a dilemma as to whether to pay him or not. So I think yeah. Ross is going to take a step for us this year and I think Jesse Bates hopefully is the guy on defence that's going to take the step up because he had a really, really promising rookie year. At one point, I think was even in sort of the discussions for sort of the defensive rookie of the year, was really having a good season. Mm -hmm. And then last year sort of regressed ever so slightly. So I'd love to see him um, really step up this year and I think we could desperately need some help um, alongside Von Bell. So, yeah, fingers crossed.
1: Well, I am going for Drew Sample. Ooh. Um, I, I... Based on nothing, really. But he's a second-round pick, so he's got to have talent. And I'm hoping that um, he'll stay injury-free and progress nicely and become a really kind of a nice piece in that offence. And then I'm going for William Jackson, actually. Uh, I think the pressure's on for old uh, uh, WJ3, I think. Um, he, he He had an okay year last year. Like much of the team, he was better towards the end of the year. Um, but I think with the defensive signings on that side of the ball, they bolstered the running game. They're looking to seal the edges a lot more. Jackson was exposed last year against, especially against the run. So I think with the extra help that has been signed on the defence, I think he could have uh, a good year this year.
2: Yeah, I really want to see that defence step up next year. I mean, I miss those days when you had those really sort of rugged Mike Zimmer defences that... We're really a strength of the team. And I think the last couple of years, we've really taken steps back to the point of being quite poor on defence. So I'm really hopeful that with you, getting someone like DJ Reader in, Von Bell, um, you know, getting obviously some rookies in, uh, especially from the linebacker side of things, um, I'm really hopeful we can take a step forward there next year. And we, we really
1: do need to. Uh, Dom at Bumbling Bengal. Um, I hello. Uh, Predictions on the first catch TD interception of the upcoming season. I've got Boyd, Sample and Alexander respectively. I mean, there's no way to guess who's going to do that. But I'm going to say, just for the headlines, I'm going for TD and catch. It's going to be AJ Green.
2: I'm going first touchdown. It's going to be Eifert down the seam to Uzama. Um, Eifert but,
1: to Azama.
2: Yeah, no, not Eifert to Azama. Say hold on a minute. <laughs> well, what am I smoking? It's been a long day, so I ain't had my dinner yet. <laughs> um, it's going to be Joe Boy Burrow to see Joe armor over the over the middle yeah. for the first touchdown, first catch, little screen, get Joe Mixon involved. You know, get but yeah. the well, Burrow's and quick, get Mixon a catch, first interception. Um, ooh, Tricky WJ. Warm. No, I said it first interception. WJ three.
1: Okay. I don't know, so I'm just going to pick anyone out of the hat. And it's going to be um, Akeem Davis Gaither. How about that?
2: <laughs> oh, Akeem Davis Gaither of a one handed 105 yard return for a touchdown.
1: <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> uh, Michael Smith at solid underscore handle. Solid handle. Cincinnati Bengals, the movie. Who's in the cast? Oh, that's, I mean, we're going to have to think about that one, really. Good there's, question. There's, there are too many characters really. Um so we need to narrow it down. Maybe that, that could be our homework this week.
2: Yeah, yeah, I like I like the question though. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh
1: Memphis soul stew at Stuart Baird six eight eight. With the London Games not taking place this year. Thoughts on a Bengals visit next year? Ooh, I mean it's it's always a welcome thought. The Bengals coming back over. Um don't know. That is the short answer. I don't know logistically how it would work. And perhaps they'll, perhaps they have to contractually obligate the teams that were lined up for this year. Uh, but of course, everything rotates next year in terms of divisional games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, the fixtures aren't going to be the same. It's going to be interesting to see. But, yes, of course, I'd love the Bengals to come back over.
2: Well, I th- also, I th- I, it depends on the, the LA teams that we're of coming over because their stadium will probably be built by this time next year, won't it? So, obviously, the Raiders have got their brand-new stadium as well. So, mm. I I don't think they'll probably be in a rush to give up too many home games at their end. So, I, th- there's a possible chance there.
1: Mm. We shall see. Jamie at Trequat Beaster, it's been banging hot for a week now. What do you do to keep cool? Any tips, Nathan? I just eat my... Right. Ice
2: cream, you know, get a load of ice in. Like you know, when I've been out to the park, get a load of ice in, and I've had some really good new beers recently. There's this beer okay. I'm drinking called Minabria, right? It's Italian lager. The crispiest, most beautiful lager I've had in a long time. Mm. Um, fully recommend that. that. That certainly keeps me nice and cool.
1: Yeah, I like putting my feet into a uh, a bowl of just cold water, just sitting there. Uh, that tends to cool me down quite nicely. Uh, what a that is? Hey, what? <laughs> what a sexy thought that is! Exactly. Well, it up. doesn't matter about sex when uh, when the <laughs> weather's hot. Um, it's like an old woman's thing
2: to do. <laughs> oh, I it's know, so but exciting. seriously,
1: man, it works an absolute treat. Uh, and then, obviously, during the day, keep your curtains closed and your windows open so <laughs> none of the sun gets in. I've got all the tips, mate. This Jamie, is like the good housekeeping podcast. Jamie, contact me via DM. <laughs> I will sort you out. Uh, Duncan Yuden at Slam Dunk the Funk. Who is your favourite Batman villain? Mine is the Riddler. Well, I
2: don't watch any of that superhero bollocks. (laughs) I'm like the opposite to Joe Goodbury. I just, don't even know. The Joker or whatever his name is. I'm not a fan of
1: Batman. (laughs) Uh, Nor am I actually. I I don't know. I just think I'm bored of Batman now. There's just too many versions of it. I've never watched it, I don't think. I might
2: have watched The Dark Knight years ago but I couldn't tell you much.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think, um, I think, I don't know, have I got a favourite? No, that's one of the things that's sort of slightly disappointed me, um, about Batman, is that the villains are a bit rubbish, really, um, I mean, the Joker's a bit menacing, the Riddlers, I mean, they're all a bit... Daft, really. I don't know. I'm not into comic book stuff. <laughs> like we're going
2: to be losing your listeners by the hour. I
1: know. You know? Talk to me one about...
2: I tried to save the question there. Talk to me like about... St- talk to me about...
1: Talk to me about Star Wars, Duncan. That's the, that's the best way to do it. Um, oh, I don't like any of that stuff. Well, I'm not a sci-fi person. No,
2: I don't really, know. None of that sort of like weird character stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Just not like
1: it. Weird character stuff. <laughs> um... Right, finally, uh, Peter Dadswell at Dadders. In his opening press conference, Zach Taylor spoke of creating a, a right culture at the Bengals. At the time, it seemed a bit too much like coach speak, but now we see all but one draftee was a team captain. We see players like Auden Tate out in Florida cleaning up in his community the morning after riots. We see intelligent, articulate and inspiring statements from new draftees like Burrow and Kareem. And Bengal's existing players during these troubled times in the u s it truly seems as if culture has been a keen foundation we all hope we'll have team success to enjoy, but we'll certainly have a fine team of young men of which to be proud yeah, very well yeah, I agree, but we've always had good dudes on the Bengals. We've had some bad dudes as well, but particularly now there has as Pete said there does seem to have been an emphasis on drafting uh really um, uh, strong leaders, you know, guys that have, are te- have been team captains, uh, signing guys from winning organisations who, who've gone deep into the playoffs. So you just hope that kind of combina- combination works on the field, really. Got a question for you,
2: son. Obviously, following from dad is his question about culture and obviously the team and um, the type of people that are on it. Obviously, with the situation at the moment with COVID and the lack of uh, meetings and people able to meet up and the mini camps and all the rest of it, we're in June now. It's first of June as we're recording this. Do you worry for a team that's obviously moved on from its veteran quarterback? It's got a new leader slash quarterback coming into that locker room in Joe Burrow. It's got a lot of new players, both for, uh, through free agency, We like DJ Reader and Von Bell, Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes, all these guys that are going to be key pieces going forward and veteran leaders hopefully in the locker room. Does it concern you that there's been quite a big overhaul this offseason and that the lack of face time, the lack of, um, you know, the lack of chemistry these guys are able to build earlier in the offseason is not there because it's going to be, depending on what the training camp situation looks like in August, you know, it might well be, you know, it looks like it will go ahead, but how, you know, will it be the same sort of experience? Will there be... Um, the same amount of time available. Like, I'm just wondering for you, for you, if it concerns you going into the season, if that could be an issue of us sort of gelling and getting together.
1: Yeah, it does a bit, but I think, I think I'd be more concerned if it was just us that were doing that. Do you know what I mean? I think the fact that everyone, you know, has to be.
2: But if you've got an experienced like team, like locker room, and you've got yeah, like,
1: the but don't forget we have still have experienced players in there, but. But equally, we do have a new, brand new quarterback. So, you're right, chemistry has to be built there with his receivers, with the with the entire offense, and in fact, the team, because people do look to the quarterback for leadership. Um, and I notice on, on Twitter he's already been showing signs of strong leadership, um, which is great. Uh, but, yeah, I think all teams are in this situation, and it's just a case of, of getting – because from what I've read, a lot of – a lot of facilities are beginning to open up now. Uh, coaches might be going back next week. Training camp due to start at the end of June. So, end of this month. It's June now, isn't it? Bloody hell. How's that, how's that got to June so quick? But anyway, I think most teams are in the same boat, really. And to be honest, we'll only know how things have gelled, how teams have adapted the best. You know, we'll only know when we see them on the field, really. Um, there's no way of knowing we might come out of the traps motivated like real chips on our shoulders we should be to be honest with you and should have these chips on our shoulders because uh, they've taken a fearful battering in the press and now it's time to kind of show what we're made of so i i would hope that the bengals would be highly motivated and with some nice pieces either side of the ball you would be looking for a much better season i think About 15, 16 wins would do, wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. And a nice little deep run into the playoffs. How how funny would that be? But uh, there we go. Anyway, uh, that's about it uh, this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to listen. We'll have another watch party this Sunday on the 7th of June, the game to be confirmed. Uh, And thank you for all your correspondences. Please do stay safe out there. Uh, and until the next time, it's a day from me. And
2: a day from me. Cheers, guys.
1: And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.